This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome back to the Essentials Program here at Asia Torah on this beautiful spring day, counting down to the Pesach experience. So what we're going to talk about today is spiritual warriors. That's what we're talking about today. And uh, spiritual warriors look at their, look themselves in the mirror at the end of each year and they say, wow. In Yiddish they say, geschmacke. You guys want to try some Yiddish? Geschmacke. Try it. Geschmacke. 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 Who? What? Geschmacke. There's geschmacke and geschmacke. Geschmacke means, what an amazing year. What an amazing year that was. Let's do it again. How could it get better? And the answer is, it's just going to get better. Why? Because you're a spiritual warrior. God gave this world, meaning humanity, God gave humanity two ways to live life. You can either go with a program, and there's a program, you know, government programs, school systems, there's, you know, work it, work your way up the ladders of corporate, uh, whatever, or join some big company and be, uh, you know, work for the government, you can work for anyone. And the system will work for you, and you'll work for the system. And, and Judaism, by the way, offers it too. We have a full prescription for life. So if you want to live as a Jew, like be a fully observant Jew, and, and keep the commandments, and go to synagogue three times a day, and study Torah, do the mitzvahs. So we got a program. We got a program. You can do that program. I'm on that program. But, but then there's a totally different thing that the, for the brave and the few. And that is to be what's called a spiritual warrior. And to be a spiritual warrior, uh, you want to invite these guys in so they come study with us a little bit? Open it wide so I can invite them myself. Yo! Is that your own? Hey, your own, come, come study with us. A couple seats up here. Sit next to, uh, sit, sit next to this lady here. a bit angled so I can see the guys behind you because you're tall. So the option is to be a spiritual warrior. Once you're a spiritual warrior, you're playing to totally different rules. You're living in a totally different game. And spiritual spiritual warriors really don't need to be told the odds anymore. You become one of those don't tell me the odds people. And it's a lot of fun to live that way. For example, you can completely ignore what time you're supposed to show up for airplanes. And just show up when you're ready. What? <laughs> you can uh, drive any speed you prefer to drive, and you will always arrive safely. And when you get pulled over, you'll have made a new friend. <laughs> and rarely do friends give friends tickets. The anyway, but spiritual warriors are able to defy the odds of uh, of statistics. And smart spiritual warriors still play the game, so you're on the same system as everybody else. I still go to shul. You know, they, they put me in charge of prayers today, so I led the prayers, and which is rare they ever have me do that, because people who are not raised observant generally botch it. But uh, I guess I'm around long enough that I don't botch it anymore. Anyway, the, but I, you know, I was in there. If they're asking me to lead, it must be I'm part of the system somehow, or they wouldn't be asking me to lead. I'd just be another weirdo and not load. But they, but they actually um, 
did ask me because they, as far as they're concerned, I'm part of the system. I keep my head down. No one needs to know where I'm at. But, and that's another part of being a spiritual warrior is you don't, you're not necessarily advertising it. The, uh, today I'm training you in the option of being a spiritual warrior, so I'm speaking openly about it. I mean, normally I don't. Normally I'm just doing my thing. But it's a, it's a very special place to be. One thing about spiritual warriors is they have uh, zero tolerance for anything less than amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they look at their day and they're like, this is going to be the most amazing day. And anything less than amazing is off the schedule, automatically. You know, I've had, uh, as I've mentioned before, which of course I should probably stop mentioning, but I'll say it one more time, is that is that how I got to charge $200 an hour to help train people in life is because, <laughs> is because I, there were a lot of those hours spent with people. I spent a lot of hours with people that, that really, I mean, you can imagine when you're working, like I, I have a background in, in therapy. Uh, I gave it up for the work I do. I, now, now I train people in, uh, in being spiritual warriors. And, the, uh, in group form, but I used to work in therapy. And a lot of those hours were not very powerful hours. You know, they were, I think they were helpful hours for them, but they weren't very powerful. And so what happened was I noticed I kept, I would look at my schedule and any hour that wasn't going to be powerful is out. That's part of being a spiritual warrior. Any hour that's not going to be a power hour, it's off the schedule. So what I noticed was I started canceling my, I was canceling clients at 100 bucks. So I moved it to 150 and I kept canceling the clients. And when it got to 200, I stopped canceling. But I have noticed that I've had almost no clients lately. Everyone who calls me for an hour meeting at 200 bucks an hour, almost unanimously for about a month now, everyone who's called me for that hour, I've this, I said, why don't you tell me what's going on on the phone? I'm like, are you kidding? And I'm like, no, just tell me, give me the general idea. And they finish their general idea. And then I say, you know what? I got the perfect person for you. I've become a matchmaker of people's needs with, uh, you know, with someone can use. I, I know so many people, especially in the healing arts. And so I just perfectly match them with someone. It works out great for them. And, and I get power hour after hour after hour after hour of power hour. And it's not a selfish thing. Meaning if, I could, if I'm the guy who's going to help that guy, I will take the hour. But if I can find someone better than me, to help them with that hour, give, I give the hour. And I even, uh, couples counseling, I counseled couples for years, and that's a, that's a dreary, dreary task, is counseling, counseling couples. So it's a horrible profession to be involved in that. And uh, I, thank God I had no divorces, which isn't exactly true. I had one divorce, but they, but they remarried each other later. So I was shocked. I never had a couple work that deep with me and get divorced, but they got divorced. And then he married someone else, and then he divorced her, and remarried the first lady. And so, that was my only divorce, they're happily married. My only divorce are happily married to each other. Anyway, so I have probably, in the last five years, I imagine I've, I've missed out on some sixty, seventy thousand dollars worth of marriage counseling, because I found someone who's so good that I can't touch him. He's so good at couples counseling, I can't get near this guy. 
And so ever since I found this guy, I have not counseled a couple since then. Literally cold turkey. I've met couples who demanded to meet with me. But as soon as I met with them, I got the husband, put the, took the husband aside and said, we got to talk. And then I set them up with, this, with the person I know. That was it. Spiritual warriors, that's, that's all just letting you know. Spiritual warriors, the, that every hour's power, that's all. And you, you have zero tolerance for anything less than that. Um, another thing about spiritual warriors is they attract amazing relationships into their lives. And they, um, and they, it's not that they repel lousy interactions. I'm sorry, they do repel lousy interactions, but they, it's not that they repel relationships with people. But it, it's somehow, they become like Teflon. When it comes to, you know, certain relationships will like literally like rip your life force out of you. And certain people will just like, like literally like suck the life force out of you in that relationship. So spiritual warriors are like Teflon when it comes to that. You, and you don't even have to let anyone down. People will literally go, they'll go find someone who actually likes having their energy siphoned off of them. And, and they develop some kind of symbiotic relationship with someone who likes to have their energy taken and someone who likes to take energy. Whereas um, spiritual warriors generally find one another. They're not very needy. Their love is very pure. It's not, um, it's not a, a, an agreement that you really love each other. And so you, have, you kind of live in what's called a sea of love. You live in a sea of love. Everyone try the words, I'm a sea of love. Try that. I'm a sea of love. Try it again. I'm a sea of love. What kind of sea are you? A sea of love. Become a sea of love. I own I'm a sea of love.com, of course. And, uh, <laughs> grab that one quick. And yeah, so, so, so that, that's the way to go. So how do you become a spiritual warrior? So the answer is that you have to have tremendous courage to go very, very deep with your experience of life. You have to go very deep with your experience of life. For most people, that's going to be extremely painful. In other words, you have to have the courage to go into your deepest, deepest pain. Deepest pain. You can't hold on to any of it. Meaning, meaning way down deep inside you, those horrifically painful spots including the horrific secrets of like if anyone knew this about me I would I would just I would, I would just die from embarrassment like your real nasty worst places inside and your most painful spots you have to have the courage to go in there and clean it out you got to be willing to clean that stuff out and there's only one way to clean it out and that is time when I say time, I don't mean large amounts of time over weeks or months. I'm talking about it needs time, like four to 12 hours a day straight. The human emotion is so buried and so tightly locked and encoded and encrypted that the real stuff, I'm not talking about the stuff that would come out in therapy, I'm talking about the deep layer stuff. That stuff is so encrypted inside of you and inside of all humanity 
um, that it it um, can only come out with proper guidance and hours and hours and hours of intensive t- intensive hours hours and hours and hours um, sometimes I think it's a bit of a conspiracy and I know therapists always want to kill me when I say this but sometimes I think it's a, the 50 minute therapy um, the 50 minute therapy uh, what's the word I'm looking for way let's call it um, is actually set up to make sure you never get below a surface emotion so that you keep coming. But think about it. What gets done in 50 minutes? What in your life gets done? Does anything in your life get done? Can you do your closet in 50 minutes? It's Eric Pesach now. Can you get your closet done in 50 minutes? I highly doubt it, unless you're a buffer or something. You know? <laughs> you, you, can you get, what can you get done in 50 minutes? So something that's highly encrypted, volatile in nature, Scary as anything in the world, like the most scary. Fifty minutes, you can get anywhere there. And this is why, if ever I send someone to therapy, I always tell them that they should be taking double or triple sessions at the same amount of money. Meaning, uh, meaning, uh, you mean go once a month, book four hours straight. Now, a lot of therapists won't allow it. And I've spoken to a lot of my colleagues who are therapists, and I say, I say, you know, you want to be able to look yourself in the mirror at the end of the year? Cancel all your appointments and move everyone to four hours. Move everyone to four straight hours. They'll never come to you again because you'll have probably gotten it all out within the four-hour mark. And they won't need you anymore. I have yet to have someone take me up on it through the four hours. But that's necessary. To be a spiritual warrior re- requires emotional hygiene. And if you want to have emotional hygiene, that means you got to go and get into the plaque. you got to go get, you know, it's like uh, getting your teeth done. People get their teeth done. You know, the teeth cleaning thing, you know, where they go for the deep, deep, you know, once or twice a year, get them white again. So, so you got to have very clean, you know, Good emotional hygiene, which means you're going to have to dig in there. Yeah. What do you mean clean it up? Do you mean actually when you go into speaking to other people, or just no? So I'm I'm going in on that right now. We only discuss the time factor. Um, the next thing that you need is uh, preferably is group factor. You need to be with a group of people for this experience. Why? There's something about the one-on-one when it comes to um, going into deep cleaning of your real pain that when you do it one-on-one, let's just say like this, you're going to be hitting a lot of blocks. You get that? You're going to be hitting a lot of blocks. And so, if it's all focused on you and now you're at a block, what do you do now? Where do you go now? You go out for a break? (laughs) Take a break? Let's, Let's go get some burgers and fries and come back in an hour and see if something changed. No. Better you're with a group and the group's now working together, and now everyone's focused on, what's your name? Sarah. Everyone's focused on Sarah. Meanwhile, Greg's totally blocked right now. But Greg's blocked on something, but he's also focused on Sarah. We're all focused on Sarah. And Sarah's crying her eyes out and flopping around like a fish, you know? And, you know, and they're, they're like, we're ready to call an ambulance, but 
thank God, whoever's holding the space there is usually got a heavyweight, has got it all buttoned up, and those, though it looks like Sarah's losing it, no one has yet died from pain, meaning emotional pain. She's going to make it. She's cleaning out right now. And so, and so Greg's just watching all this go on. Meanwhile, Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sarah is really identifying with something Sarah said. So she's like, Sarah's like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. And now the leader who's holding the space has noticed that there's another fish flopping around. And her name's also Sarah. And he's like, well, that's uncanny. And, and now he's working, but he was working with this one. But he realizes that he's got this one going. So he's just going to be working on both of them. Meanwhile, Greg's blocked. So Greg's just like, whoa, what's going on in here? But Greg's all of a sudden noticing that there's access to levels of depth in him that are available, apparently. And he may not be there right now, or maybe he doesn't have the courage right now. But he sees they're going to make it. And then the person holding the space leads them to, to full resolution after the pain's released. And now they get really resolved with that and get closure with it. And then Greg's like, hmm, that seems safer than I thought. And all of a sudden, boom, Greg pops. And you got another 20, 30 people in the room. And the person leading it has got thousands of hours of this work. Thousands. You're one of thousands of people he's done this with. And so you go deeper and deeper, and deeper and deeper until you get cleaned out. Now, are we ever totally clean? We're ever totally clean? You never know. You know why? Because what really lets you know that you hit that you hit some emotional cholesterol? What makes how do you know you hit the plaque? Is that life circumstances as we grow older and as we get into different types of levels of action that life calls us into? You know, we're all being called into action at certain levels. If you're a yeshiva buff, you're called into a certain amount of action. If you're a father of, of eight and your daughter just became a bride, you're being called into a totally different world you never met before called Father of the Bride. And Father of the Bride is something you just never really believed. You're, no, sorry, never, you never dealt with that before and what that means. And so all of a sudden, all, you're hitting all kinds of cholesterol you didn't know was there. I mean, you're hitting all the plaque there. Which means, believe it or not, that a spiritual warrior, you know what he's going to do if his daughter becomes a bride? And all of a sudden he notices he's just not himself right now. He's not able to get to that awesome power hour after hour after hour. He knows. Those are, he's got zero tolerance for that. So he knows it's time to go deep. And so he'll get together with whomever he's got to get together with. Preferably a group, preferably multiple hours. Multiple, multiple hours, meaning we're talking 20, 30 plus hours. And go deep on that and then walk out of there, the father of the bride who's in his game. And that's the way it works. And the, uh, and then there's, the, that's the, that's group work, but there's also, um, there's also all kinds of other ways to do work. And there's, 
There's also doing uh, hypnosis work. That's that also is good at scraping barrels, going into your unconscious mind through hypnosis and working there. There's also um, dealing with past lives. You can scrape some of the barrel in past lives because a lot of our lives in this world are bleed bleed-ins. A lot of the stuff we deal with are bleed-ins, past lives. So you can do past life regression therapy. That's also really powerful and uh, also kind of long time, you know, a couple hours of session. Each session is a couple hours. I did a session once for a guy. It was, I think, four and a half hours. And this guy walked in as a rabbi, black hat, coat, beard, payas. My secretaries, you know, took care of him. They sent him in. And uh, we had blocked off a lot of hours for this. And at a certain point, they're hearing profanity at the top of their lungs, and they know it's not my voice. It must be this other person's voice. And, uh, and then eventually he had been tied up by Nazis. This is in my office. He's been tied up by Nazis and is being dragged across the camps horse by horses. You know, he was tied up to a horse or horses and, and then was being dragged. Now, where am I? I'm on my table because I'm just trying to stay out of harm's way. Chairs are flying everywhere. He's banging into everything in the room. This guy came out so bruised and battered from these four hours together. It was insane. And, and he's literally like shooting across the room. I don't know how he's doing this. I don't know how he's even propelling himself. But he's literally flying around the room. Chairs being banged and bonked all over the place. And I'm standing on the table just trying to stay out of harm's way. And my secretaries, I mean, at one point we're knocking like to make sure everything was okay and I just kind of looked out the door and I said everything's fine closed the door like help but you understand he did serious cleaning and we went from life to life to life to life to life just to share with you one amazing story is that um, and around when we got into the fourth hour he got this tremendous glow on his face just light on his face and and I was looking at him like, oh my gosh, like this guy's, he's King David. He's King David. This is my own thoughts, my own intuition. He's King David. And so I started asking him questions. Where are you? He says, he's in Jerusalem. I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm on a mountaintop overlooking a city. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing? He says, I'm writing songs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he is King David. And he keeps going and keeps going. And I said, so who are you? And he says... He says, you promise not to tell anybody? And I said, I promise. He says, no, you got to promise. You never tell anybody who I really am. You're telling us now. I'll tell you who it was. <laughs> and then it finally says, I'm King David. Now, what was interesting about all this is that every person I've ever met has a certain... Garden of Eden place he is, meaning he, someone's either Chachmut Bina Das, Chesek Gortifers, Netzog Yisod, Yisod, or Malchus. Those are the, and, but of all the people I've ever met in my life, I've never met anyone who was Malchus, except for two. And he was one of them. Meaning this guy could like do Pesach cleaning, but he, he's also a lawyer. But he could pray like the best of them, but he also understands Jewish law and tremendous like you know, hair-splitting detail. 
Like the guy knows Kabbalah, but then he is good at counseling. He's a public speaker, but yet he can spend hours and hours alone, just in pure concentration. I mean, he's got everything. And I knew that about him. And in fact, when he came to Israel, he didn't know Aleph Bet. And he had been working as a lawyer for a year. And he came to Aish, and I put him in front of a piece of Talmud that I had taught over. I don't know how many times, maybe 20 times I'd taught it to, you know, Talmudic classes. And he schools me on it. I give it to him in English. And he schooled me on it. And not to mention how many times I learned it alone. And how many times I was tested on that part of the Gemara. And having taught it 20 times, and discussed it, and discussed it, and discussed it, and discussed it, he read it once, and saw stuff on that page I'd never seen before. And he gave me an understanding of the page of Talmud that was clearly true. And to the point where, like, had you not seen what he shared with me, you never really quite understood it until you saw what he saw. This guy didn't know Olive Bet. He was wearing... He was wearing a bathing suit and a tank top in our study hall, wearing a, you know, a coattail kippah. Within months, he was fully observant. Within a year, he was already a scholar, a Torah scholar. Something was bizarre about this guy. And years later, he comes back to me when I, when I was working in hypnosis, and we had that session. I still never told anybody. But I did find out he told someone, which is interesting. And uh, the other person that is Malchus, I will share his name because I promised, I, I never promised him I wouldn't, is, uh, is a rabbi at Aish, actually. His name is Moshe Chaim Eid. And he, he's, he teaches at Aish. And he's got all ten wrapped into one. He's here at Aish which is pretty interesting to have him around. Yeah, he's, he's pretty interesting. He's a spiritual warrior, for sure. Big time. When he came to Israel, he he uh, he sewed together his own Hasidic clothing. You know, just thinking, like, it would be appropriate that he should show up. Where is he going to get Hasidic clothing? I think he was, like, in, like, rainforests in South America. So he showed up in his own Hasidic clothing. <laughs> We're like, oh, my gosh. And this crazy Balchu was in town. And, uh, but today he's, uh, he's just amazing. Torah scholar. He, he even circumcises babies. If anyone has a baby, he'll be happy to do it for you. Okay, gang. Um, uh, what else I want to say about uh, the, so the emotional hygiene? You guys got an idea of what I'm talking about there? And... Uh, and whatever, it takes a lot of courage to, to do that. And, uh, and you also have to have a direct, um, you have to have direct access to spiritual warriors of, of the past. I mean, you have to have a teacher train you. You know, like Luke Skywalker needed Yoda, if that can be a good proof for this. <laughs> you need to have a spiritual warrior training you in being a spiritual warrior. You, this is not something you do off YouTube. Although YouTube's an amazing resource for this. I mean, I, I don't know how many hundreds of hours, because what I do is when I, when I do my yoga, you know, in the mornings, I always put on my next YouTube, you know, spiritual warrior session. And 
I just listened to you know the top spiritual warriors of, uh, of you know the last whatever got recorded. So maybe the last hundred years, hundred twenty years of spiritual like, warriors. Like whom, for example? Today I was listening to a guy named Warner Earhart. Mm-hmm. He was the founder of Est, and which became like, eventually Landmark Education. Mm-hmm. So I so I got to him and uh, and uh, I got to hear some of his stuff today. That was pretty amazing. And uh, yes, I, I was studying about a man named Tesla recently, um, another guy who uh, you know, was just a out-of-the-box thinker. Um, he was, he was uh, basically created a competing technology with Thomas Edison and won, except Westinghouse somehow perfectly um, pushed him out of the contract. <laughs> Meaning they took the technology... He would have been the richest man in the world, but instead he, I think he died with nothing. Yeah. They bought the patent for like fifty, sixty thousand dollars or something. Yeah. How did you train in hypnosis? I was trained by the, by one of the top uh, hypnotherapists in the world, really. It's a Russian name, uh, Efim Sversky. Thank God he lived in Toronto, so he, he speaks English. If you call that English, but he's he's, a, he's hysterical. He's just a hysterical, amazing guy who's the top top guy. In it. Yeah, he's here in Israel. He trains people. Yeah. You can learn with him. But I would suggest just spending, dropping two or three thousand bucks with him, and just having multiple sessions. That'll clean you out real good. You don't have to learn how to do it. You can just go be a specimen for you know spend a good fifteen twenty hours there with him. Okay, um, what else I want to tell you about spiritual warriors is um, is uh, food intake is uh, real clean, as close to its original form as possible. So you want things as fresh as possible and as least processed as possible. All that stuff that's sold in bags, you know, like Doritos and... Mm and uh, corn chips or whatever those things are, potato chips and colas and all those packaged things are, are not for you. They, they just don't belong in your body. What you go for as a spiritual warrior is what is the most assimilable to your digestive tract. You want stuff, sure, you want your food to become you and, and since it's going to become you, if you're eating the most assimilable foods, that means much more of it will become you, and much less of it's going to be in the toilet. You get that? The more it's assimilable, the more your body's going to assimilate it, and less is going to be wasted. And so, and so you're, since you're going for the most assimilable, you therefore want the highest level stuff hitting your body. So you never save money on food. That's another thing is uh, you don't save money on food. You can just cut corners all over the place, except for food. Food is your fuel, and it's going to become you. And since you are what you eat, you um, you don't cut corners on on food. So so you just spend a little extra money on on the whole as whole food as possible, and um, and uh, and also to have it. Uh, be least processed, as close to the way God made it as possible. And also, um, spiritual warriors also are generally not, um, they're not strict. 
Meaning, someone pulls out some pizza. A spiritual warrior will probably have a slice. And then what will happen is someone will pull out pizza the next day. You think they're going to have a slice the next day? You can almost bet on it that they won't. And they could, you could, they could probably count on one hand how many slices of pizza they've eaten in the last months. In a year, they wouldn't even get past two hands. But they're, they're, they recognize that pizza has just entered the scene here. So maybe that pizza has something to do with me. And so they may actually eat the pizza. You, m most of the time they would not, but sometimes they will. What about really fresh pizza? Really Some fresh. Really good, wholesome ingredients. Sure. It's well, the issue with the pizza is obviously the processed white flour and the and the and the cheese. That white cheese isn't going to get anyone anywhere. But and it, but they but they may actually surprise you and have some. But don't be surprised the next day that they're doing a cleanse. But you'll never know that. You don't know unless you ask them. Are they? But you'll you'll notice that almost every almost every spiritual warrior I know cleanses every Sunday because they eat actual Shabbos food which requires cleansing on Sunday. So you see the guy, a spiritual warrior, eating all the Ashkenazi, you know, schmaltzy foods on Shabbos. But you have no idea what's going on with them on Sundays. You know, like, many of them are likely to juice until dinner on Sunday. And they're, they're just resetting the system. Saying, uh, giving their body a little I love you and giving that little break to the body. Yeah. You're saying that usually spirituality is not part of the physical. What are you saying these spiritual words are not sure the physical and spiritual? Right now we're on the physical aspects of spiritual words. Another thing about spiritual warriors, um, we'll do one more on the physical and then we'll go to the spiritual, is that they never worry about money. Money is a non-issue for spiritual warriors. They, they, just, they just, whatever is going to be needed is what's going to be there. And, and it's not a big deal for a spiritual warrior to offer others to take part in the process. Meaning, meaning uh, let's say Greg's a spiritual warrior and Greg's uh, part of what he's doing requires a car. But you don't have the money for the car. Let's just say you did. So you buy the car anyway and you call either other spiritual warriors or you call people who are generally spiritual warriors have people connected to them directly who are very much learning from them so you would call one of your people learning from you and you just say like need a car you know want to be part of it <laughs> and he can say yes or no and it won't be any fear of failure or fear of rejection he'll say yes or no and uh, but eventually you're going to have a car that's all there is to it I mean, you go, you go with what you need. And spiritual warriors generally aren't interested so much in what they want, meaning, meaning if you really need it, it's there. If you just kind of want it, then, I mean, if you have extra money, why not? But you can't trust the, you can't necessarily trust the system to just let you overuse it. You can't abuse it. If you're a spiritual warrior, everything's going to get covered. But you can't abuse it and start becoming, you know, what I want is a Lamborghini, you know, and you expect the universe to pay for that, you know. Then you're, you're, 
that's not serious. And that's could and people can do that. There are people who know how to do that, but I would call them manipulators. You know, and then to be a spiritual warrior, you always go with your basics. basics. Yeah. Is fasting part of this uh, spiritual warrior uh, regimen? Uh, it's the opposite. The opposite, actually. Um, to become a spiritual warrior, you actually, you actually have to eat. Now, once someone's achieved like a high level in it, then fasting might be appropriate. But I wouldn't even know what those levels are. I don't think anyone in our generation could be a faster. I mean, maybe in India or something, but in the Jewish world, I, even the spiritual warriors I know eat. They don't fast. So uh, one great, uh, one of the big Yetzirahs, people who want to be spiritual warriors often think fasting is going to help them. So they, so one of the biggest spiritual warriors of our generation was in the room. He was teaching. And, and one of the young men said, you know, I'd like to fast to work on being a spiritual warrior. So the, rab, the rabbi said, uh, he said, no, no, no. We fast to become, we eat to become a spiritual warrior. Meaning we eat to become a tzaddik. How do you become a tzaddik? You eat. And you use that energy for Torah study, mitzvahs, service of God. And then one day, if you ever become a tzaddik, you can fast. But, but eating is how you get there. You need ener- you're going to need energy for the journey. And you've got to eat well and you've got to eat right. And, but there's but cleansing's another thing. Cleansing's an important part of um, being a spiritual warrior. Is got a cleansing element to it. So doing cleanses, colonic cleanses, and you know making sure one's digestive tract is running smooth and clean. And, um, that is a part of it. But that's not fasting. That's it might be juice fasting right now, or it might be. But it is intaking minerals and vitamins and stuff. So, so there, there's a lot of diet involved, but it's not a, it's not a fasting. Okay. Um, anyway, but just to finish off the money thing is that spiritual warriors don't worry about money. Money, money is a non-issue, um, but they but they live in abundance. So, so like money will come their way because they they live in abundance in general, abundance of health, abundance of love, abundance of uh, of. Uh, uh, Interaction and abundance also financially, but not necessarily extra. And generally, what you'll find with spiritual warriors is on any weekly basis, they've saved nothing. Meaning there's no money. They, 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 it's weird. It's like they have no money. <laughs> Which is a funny thing, because what will happen is poor people in the community of a spiritual warrior see the spiritual warrior seems to always have. So they think, what a great address to ask for money. So they go to the spiritual warrior's house, you know, Friday, it's before Shabbos, maybe it can help. And they say to the spiritual warrior, uh, please, can you spare, you know, 200 shekels to help, you know, the family make Shabbos? The spiritual warrior looks at him like, I would love to, but there's no money in my house. And the guy, the, the, the person asking for the money is baffled. How could it be? I mean, this guy's like, he drives around in a regular car, he's got all his kids, you know, doing whatever they're doing, and they're, some are taking gymnastics, some are in Pilates, some are in yoga, like the, everyone seems to be, this, this seems like a well-lubricated home, financially. How could it be there's no money? The answer is because the father's a spiritual warrior, and he only has what he needs. 
America only has what he needs. And what's fun about that, what's nice about that is you never, ever, ever spend even a moment worrying about money, ever. Money's no longer on the list of concerns. And then, you, and then everything flows from there. Now, you might wonder, well, how do you marry off a child if you're a spiritual warrior? I mean, marrying off a child, let's say, is a good $50,000 between wardrobe, the wedding, it's, uh, the engagement party, wardrobe, wedding, Shevabrachos, Shabbos Shevabrachos as well, and, uh, and then setting the couple up in an apartment of some sort. You know, you're definitely at 50 grand. Now, does a spiritual warrior have an extra 50 grand lying around? Answers no. We just got through saying that he probably doesn't have any money lying around when Shabbos comes in. So where's the fifty grand coming from? That's it's coming. It's coming, and he and he won't lose a he won't lose a he will not lose a wink of sleep to make that. Okay, let's talk spirituality. So when it comes to being a spiritual warrior spiritually, it requires great knowledge of your tribe. So you have to have you have to have a thorough understanding of the tribal wisdom of whatever tribe you're from. In our case, we're from the Jewish tribe. That puts us in a bit of a predicament because unlike all the other tribal cultures in the world that have their own spiritual warriors. To learn everything they need to know could be a couple years of intensive study. Whereas in Judaism, if, if uh, I don't know who our youngest participant is here today. Uh, anyone here 18? Here we got an 18 year old. 18? 18? 18? We got some 18 year olds. If the 18 year olds in this room, I'll ask this 18 year old. What's your name? Aaron. If Aaron, you tell me Aaron, let's say you just moved to Sfat. And you like send an email home just saying, Aaron, Aaron, we've lost, Aaron's dead and we've lost his body. Don't even bother coming to Israel to find him. He's gone. Why'd you do that? Because you've decided to, that you're not going to sleep until you know all of the tribal material of the Jewish tribe. You got to know it all. Both the revealed and the secret, the Kabbalah. Are you ever going to get there? What? The answer is no. You'll never get there. How far along are you going to get? What percentage of terror will you have covered by the time you die? Well, it's hard to have a percentage of, of a wisdom that's prophetic. It's, it never really ends. The wisdom's pro- it's from prophecy. Now, I'll tell you something, Aaron, if you studied the wisdom of just the, the, metaf- the physical and the metaphysical world, you'd also never finish. It's got a lot of detail, but it does end somewhere. I mean, if you lived 500 years, maybe you'd finish it. But in the case of Torah, it, it never ends. It never ends. And not only does it never end, but even a page of Torah... If you just took one page of Torah and studied it deeply and then just decided you're only going to keep studying that one page for the rest of your life and you've got no ADHD because that would be really hard. Do you, do you believe it would keep showing you things, that page of Torah? 
for the rest of your life, and that's the only page you study? The answer is, it will keep showing you, and showing you, and showing you. In fact, uh, you want to hear an amazing thing, that when Abraham came to Israel, so God said, I'm sending you El Haaretz Asher Areka. El Haaretz Asher Areka. Anyone know what? To the land. God said, I'm sending you to the land. That I will show you. Which means Abraham has to kind of faithfully walk until he, he's shown. That's the way art school translates it. But you know how the Kabbalists translate it? That the land of Israel itself, then he was telling him the name of the land. The name of the land is I will show you. I'm sending you to the land called I will show you. And when you live in the land called I will show you, which is the land of Israel and the land of the Torah, so you're, you're always being shown. You're always in a realm of being shown, being shown, being shown. You're, you're, and that's the beauty of that we keep going through this book every single year. And we just started a new book. This Shabbos, we're starting by Yikram. And now it's the hardest of the five books. It's all about high-level detail of, of sacrifices, you know, the offerings in the temple. But it's got endless depth to it. Every line has endless depth, and it's always showing you. I will show you. I will show you. And uh, one particular Kabbalist said, uh, it's called the, the Ishbitzer, the Meshiloach. He says that to, to experience the I will show you nature of Judaism, it's only in the land of Israel. I mean, if you want to get the real I will show you, you've got to be in the land of Israel. If you're in our land, in the, our ancestral lands here, so then you get the I will show you element. Now, I mentioned that you need to have a, a Rebbe student relationship. You have to have someone directing you. Um, there are women who are spiritual warriors. There are men who are spiritual warriors. Generally, men learn with the men. Women learn with the women. And, uh, and often the spiritual warriors are married. So it, it just works out that way, that spiritual warriors often marry each other. So it's sometimes you can luck out and have the spiritual warrior and his wife guide you and your spouse, which is really cool. And I, I got hooked up like that. So my spiritual teacher, his wife is my wife's spiritual teacher. So, it's, so that's, been a, that's been a very convenient arrangement to have that. Anyway, but Torah study is, is a very important element in, the, in all of this, that we have, to, we have to understand the Torah to be able to break out of the matrix, if you will, of the physical rules, the physical laws, the odds, as we said, don't tell me the odds. If you want to break out of the, the physical rules, so you got to be in this level. But let me tell you uh, another, let me just give you, I want something more practical. I didn't speak so practically today. So I'd like to give you one practical one. I'm going to show you two worlds here. We've got a world called the, uh, this upper world is called Pele, or Wonder. In Hebrew, it's called Pele. And then there's a lower world down here called Nature. This is called Teva. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, funny too. 
so there's parallel right the way you guys are used to it. There's Pela and there's nature. So spiritual warriors live in the Pela world, Olama Pela. And everyone else, remember I spoke at the very beginning where we were talking about systems and like you can just be part of the system. So that's uh, that's nature. And um, if you want to live in the Olama Pela, you have to have something called commitment. And what commitment means is that when you say you're going to do something, you do it. Period. You rarely talk about what you want to do. You more talk about what you're committed to doing in your life. It's a commitment thing. It's where your word is your word. And, and there's no compromise whatsoever about your word. That's called the wonder world. You want to live in the wonder world? You get committed. So you be the kind of person that when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it, period. Yeah, that's, that's one practical advice. Um, just the last thing I want to say to y'all is that um, many of you seek advice in life, but you're seeking advice from this world. So you're saying, like, can you help me get along? Can you help me, like, move along in my life? Can you help me survive? That's what you're really doing. <clears throat> but what will happen is you'll be surviving for your whole life. And okay, once in a while you call a teacher, a rabbi, someone in you that asks for help. But the, the people who, the, the rabbi can't help you really. I Meaning he might be able to get you over this glitch, but he can't really help you until you're, you're playing, until you play big. Spiritual warriors are playing big. This is the amazing thing. And I just, I'm gonna end with this, is that if you're a spiritual warrior, the ability for another spiritual warrior with much more experience than you have to help you is amazing. And they can literally get you there. They will take you all the way. But if you're not there, they have very limited ability to help somebody. Meaning they can, they can help you deal with a relationship or a business thing that went wrong. They can help do mediation. They can, they can help. But they can't really get you to that place. You have to get to that place. And when you get to that place, then their ability to help you goes up like a hundredfold. Because once you're a spiritual warrior, you are incredibly trainable. And you'll notice in Star Wars when Luke met Yoda, it was a process of Luke having to let go of his ego until finally he could do it. And when Neo in The Matrix it was only when he could totally let go of his ego that he could start dodging bullets. And that's when he became someone who could properly learn. Tell him, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.